Hallelujah. Thanksgiving is uh, is a wonderful, wonderful time. And so this morning I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something a little bit that I've been meditating on all week. And it's a little different than what, you know, normal Thanksgiving. I don't like normal. I don't like doing stuff normally anyway. I don't like we don't like doing churches normal. And so there's certain characteristics of church that we abide by and we do because it's part of who we are and it's part of our culture. It's just part of our family who we are. We're huggers and we're, we're, we like to hug and, and shake hands and we like to get to know you. So if you're visiting with us and you're like, what's up with all the hugging? That's just, listen, we're a family, we hug. Brothers don't shake hands, they hug, you know what I'm saying? And so we're just a family. And so part of that, as we kind of transition into Thanksgiving, I, don't, I didn't want to do something normal, a normal Thanksgiving message. I really said, Lord, what are you trying to say for us? What is it that we need for this particular Sunday. What is it that we need for this holiday, for Thanksgiving? And I heard the Lord say, I want you to be careless. We say that to our kids, you know. Be, care- don't, be careful. We say, be careful. Be careful. Watch out for that. But I heard the Lord say, I want you to tell them to be careless. Philippians 4, chapter 6. Let's go there and, I, and I'll kind of use that as my platform. I want to start with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. In case you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice in the Lord, and then he says, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, because the Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. I like the original King James. It says, be careful for nothing. Says be a, the NIV says, do not worry or be anxious about anything. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, everybody say and, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And we'll get to verse 8 maybe later, or verse 7 I should say. But I really wanted, sometimes we read a verse, I don't know about you, but this is one of the first verses next to 2 Corinthians 5.17 that I memorized when I was a young, young, young boy. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's a new creature, he's a, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have gone, behold, all things have come new. But Philippians 4.6 is one that's been ingrained in my mind. Do not worry or be anxious about anything. Now I want you to just stop for just a second and meditate on that. Do not worry. I mean, for some of us, I'll be honest with you. For some of us, that's a hard one to swallow. You'd be easy to, you'd be better off to try to swallow this Bible. Are we all just, we're real folk in here this morning, right? How many of you find it that that is, don't, show, don't raise your hand, but how many of you find it real difficult to say, Lord, really? I mean, you just don't worry about some things? Listen, just camp out here for a minute. He said, who's he talking to? The Apostle Paul is talking to the Philippian church. Inspired, divinely inspired. Now, well, maybe Paul had some biscuits the night before and they just kind of... No, divinely inspired. And he says, be careful for nothing. Nothing. That's, t- I'm, that's, that's a tough one to swallow. Be careful 
for nothing. So what's he saying? He's saying be careless. What's the opposite of being careful? Carelessness. But the world, the responsibility that the world and religion tries to put on us is you have an obligation to be careful. What does careful mean? means to be full of care. You're either full of care or you're carrying around care for everything. And he says, be careful for nothing. In Matthew chapter 6, and it's, and it's really interesting to see a progression. Proverbs 3, I won't turn there. Proverbs 3 says this, 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. That was old covenant. You follow me. Whenever you read the Bible, you read it through two filters. Old dispensation or new dispensation. Old covenant or new covenant. Pre-blood and post-blood. Jesus said in Matthew 6, He said, why do you worry about your life? And then He was specific. He said, why do you worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear? Look at the lilies of the field and look at the birds of the air. Does not your heavenly Father take care of them? How much more will He take care of them that love Him? That's old covenant. And then I find that I was reading in Philippians and He says, look here, I'm going to do something better. I don't even want you to worry about netting, netting, nada. We still we can't even get past that. You say, Pastor, that's not that, that's not even. You know, pastor, for those of you that are here, and preacher, for those of you who are visiting. Preacher, that just don't make sense. I can't do that. I can't not worry. Who says? Who says that you and I, Langston, who says that you and I cannot live a life worry and anxiety free? Who says we can't? Who says? The world. The enemy. Does God say at any time in His Word, does He ever tell us that we are to carry our own cares? So then why do we carry them? Because we've been taught to carry them. We've been told to carry them. We've been preached to that if we don't, we're irresponsible. It's almost like there's a, there's a differentiating line. We're supposed to know what to care about and what not to care about. I'm confused already. Well, you got to be a good steward. I'm not talking about stewardship. Stewardship... Can you be a good steward of something and have no care and no anxiety and no worry? Right? So we're not talking about stewardship. We're talking about anxiety and worry. And every one of you that are looking at me know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that knotted up feeling on the inside that something's not right, something's not going to work, the bill's not going to get paid, this ain't going to work, he ain't going to get healed, I ain't going to get healed, it ain't going to come through. Oh my God, what are we going to do? Everybody knows what worry and anxiety what is anxiety? It is something that stirs up in the belly of a man and a woman. That causes you not to sleep. That causes some of us to eat. Causes some folk not to eat. I don't know about you, but I ain't never had a problem eating. The only time I don't eat is when I fast. Can I get an amen on that one? I like to eat. I'm going to eat. 
come Thanksgiving, I'm going to eat before Thanksgiving, but come Thanksgiving, I'm going to do my best to put a hole in the floor. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to eat. Why? Because there's a time for feasting and there's a time for fasting. And Thanksgiving ain't fasting. It's time to eat. But stress and worry and anxiety for some people causes them not to eat. For others causes them to eat more. Everybody knows what it looks like. We know what it is. We can feel it. We can sense it. You can smell it. And the Bible says don't do it. He didn't even, it's not like he said thou, thou shalt not kill, steal, or thou shalt not rot, thou shalt not covet. No, he said, listen, don't worry. It's almost like it wasn't a command as much as it is. It's like it's not even a suggestion as much as it is, listen, you're doing something you don't have to do. He said, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Be careful for nothing. Well, anytime the Lord tells you not to do something, He's always got a better alternative for you. The Lord never comes up to you. Who's got an older phone? Like a, uh, anybody got an old flip phone? Mr. Timmy, you got your old, you got a flip phone, don't you? No? You got a flip phone? Bill's got one. There you go. That, no, that's too new. I need something. There you go. Look at that. Some of you young folk don't even know, have any idea what this is right here. And this is crack, brother. We got the Father in the name of Jesus. God never says, look here, don't use that flip phone. He never says, don't do that, and that's it. That's all he says. He says, don't do that. Here, try the new iPad, new iPhone. You got one? <laughs> I'm going to stop using you as my illustration. He says, no, brother, here, don't use that one. No, 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 no don't, don't worry or be anxious about anything. But the world says you got you to have a flip phone. And the Lord says, no, you don't. You can have a screen. You ain't got to flip nothing. You just do use your thumb. Yeah, but you don't understand. If you don't have a flip phone, you're not a good steward. And the Lord's like, no, it ain't. Look, I got, I mean, I got apps for stewardship. Here it is right here. The world is out to, to lie. Religion is out to destroy. Let me tell you what worry and anxiety does. You want me to tell you? It kills and destroys your faith. It takes the very thing, the very nature of faith and destroys it. I got news for you. You and I will have to operate by faith even in heaven. Because God says it is without, without faith, it is impossible. What is faith? Faith is a firm persuasion. Faith is not the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith does. That's what faith gives substance. Faith is just simply what you believe. If you believe, Jesus said, Jesus said to the, uh, I mean, uh, Paul said, in, in, and I'm going to get to it in Acts chapter 16, they were in jail and they began to pray. And the jailer said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe. He didn't say repent. He said, believe. Faith accesses everything that we need to obtain in God. And the problem with anxiety and, fr and care and worry is it strips away. But if you don't have something, if you don't give someone an alternative, they'll go back into the rut of worry. My grandmother, bless her darling heart, I love her, loved her, to, loved her and, and bless her, but she would worry about everything. 
She would. And it, it, was, it, was, it was almost like you didn't even, she was like, oh, Lord, hey, Lawrence, don't y'all walk up across that street. Y'all might get hit by a bus. You know, I mean, it was that kind of, Lord, don't eat that stuff out of that can. You don't know what they, let my kid, you Lord. Everything was like that. A constant state of just be careful, be careful, be careful. How many, how many of you got kids? Everybody got kids? Your kids, now the parents don't really worry about it as much, especially after you've had three kids. I mean, I, we're on our third kid, you know, we've got three girls. And the first one, the pappy falls on the ground and you got to sterilize it, put it in the microwave and some boiling water. The second one comes along, you go wash it with some soap in the sink. The third one comes along and, here baby. Right? You tend to get less careful as, the, as more children come, come about, right? I'm not talking about stewardship. I'm not talking about being uh, sanitary. I'm not talking about sticking your head in the sand and acting like nothing. I'm talking about bona fide, genuine care that will choke the life out of you. Medical science has proven statistically that 90% of the ailments in our bodies and diseases come from in here. They come from my belly. That's where the seat of your emotions and the seat of who you are. And he said, do not worry. Be careful for nothing. So let me give you some definitions real quick. What is the definition of, of care? It means anxious care. It means trouble. To take thought. That is a key. Listen to me. To take thought. Care and worry can only enter into our life through the avenue of our thoughts. It doesn't enter into our spirit. It will affect our soul, but it doesn't come into our spirit. It is a thought. Oh my God, what are you going to do about that bill? Your body starts hurting, and the thought comes, you got cancer. My dad, when he was in the hospital, couldn't have pneumonia, couldn't breathe. They tried everything, couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. The, the uh, cardio, I mean, the lung doctor came in, pulmonary doctor, isn't that right? No, that's a heart doctor, pulmonologist, came in and said, well, it could be pneumonia over pneumonia. It could be uh, pleurisy or it could be cancer. And the whole room, you know, you can't take that back, you know. Once you walk up to somebody telling them they're ugly, you can't, I mean, you can't take that. You can give them flowers and all that, but you can't take it back. I mean, it's just, it just there. Some things you can't take back. You can't throw around the C word and take it back. So then we got on, you know what we did, me and April and my mother, you know what we did? We got on a mission. No, we're going to dig that darn seed up. That ain't going to have no foothold. Your thought life. Listen, if, if the devil, if the enemy can keep you in the realm of your thought life, he will whip you every time. He will whip me every time. But if we can keep him in the arena of the word, we'll whip him every time. It means, it means to care about something means you get caught up in the thought process of that thing itself. It's, it's a, uh, I'm trying to get it out what, I, what I've been seeing the last couple of weeks as I've been praying about it. Actually, the month, I've been praying about this message for a while. Anxiety, it's care. Remember, care is taking thought, right? 
It's taking thought things that bring disruption to the personality of the mind. It's being anxious ahead of time. I mean, you, it's, it's one thing if you got to worry about right now. But most people spend their lifetime worrying about next week and tomorrow. That's why he says, do not worry about your life. Tomorrow has enough problems of, it own, of its own, sufficient for itself. He says, don't worry about today. Don't, don't be caught up in the mind. Well, remember the analogy of the phone and the iPhone. If God's going to tell you not to do something, He's going to give you an opportunity. He's going to give you an alternative, and that alternative is better. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, is what Romans says, and what? Bring it to me, and I'll give you. Bring me your old car, 150,000 miles, it don't matter. Bring it in, and I'll let you drive off the lot for $1.99 a month for 572 easy payments. I'm not talking about bait and switch. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Bring your care. Bring your anxiety. And guess what? I'm going to give you something in return. And it's a newer model. I'll pay for the tag too. That's what he said. I'm going to give it to you. There's no hidden fees with God. It is what it is. I mean, I like OTD. I want to know the out-the-door price. They don't want to be hitting me with no service. Every time I've ever bought a car, I've always told them, listen, I was in that business. I know exactly what you're doing. I don't care what you put on that paper. I want to know what do I, if I was going to write you a check, I want to know how much to write the check for. I don't care about all that. You do your numbers how you want to do them. I want to know what I got out. You ask me to buy something, I'm going to put tax, tag, title, fee, register. No. What do I need to write a check? With God, it's the same. He says, bring me. I'm going to trade it in. Trade in your anxiety, your care, your worry for what? Peace. What in the world has that got to do with Thanksgiving? I'm going to get to that. Webster's definition of care means to be greatly concerned, being in painful suspense, unquiet, and applied to all things. Someone who's anxious, someone who care, who's carries a care about everything is painfully, painfully, suspenseful, and always full of just, I don't, I just I and he says, listen, take a deep breath. And don't be careful for anything. And that's hard for us. There is a care of diligence, which is our duty, and agrees with a wise forecast and due concern. There, there, is, a, there is a part of us that needs to, to be diligent. Okay, so let me go ahead and cross this bridge and then we'll go to some other. There is a diligence, okay? Carefree in the kingdom of God doesn't mean you stick your head in the sand and act like nothing's wrong. No, it's meditating, listen to me, care, being anxious, being full of care, being full of worry, you ready? Is letting your mind dwell and meditate on things that are beyond your control anyway. It's meditating on the wrong thing. When people fall into sin... They don't just trip over a log and accidentally fall into sin. I don't know what happened. 
I mean, it was, I was just standing right there, Lance, and then I just fell. I don't understand. No. Everything proceeds out of our thought life. We have to process it in with our mind. We think about it. We meditate on it. And then we give agreement to that thought. And when, then we act or speak or do. The problem with worry and anxiety is we're acting and agreeing and responding to the wrong thoughts and we're thinking about the wrong things and as a result it's causing all kind of problems in our life. And he says don't do that. Be careful for nothing. He says but there is a care of fear and distrust which is sin and folly and only perplexes and distracts the mind. Um... Isaiah says, I can't remember the street address, but it says, He keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Him. Well, Pastor, I just don't have any peace in my life. He keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Let me tell you something about entertainment for a minute. Uh, I, I know of an individual who constantly watches TV and, 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 and movies to get his mind away from what he's got to do because he has never learned to control his thought life. And, for mo and if you're not careful, science and doctors will tell you that you can't control. That now, your brain, your mind can be sick just like your stomach or your heart or your lungs, or your leg, your brain can be sick. I'm not talking about authentic illness or something wrong with the physical organ of the mind or the brain. I'm talking about not reining in your thought life. And so they watch TV and watch TV and watch TV, and it gets worse, and the anxiety gets worse, to the point where this individual cannot even stand to have any kind of conflict and they run and, and flee away and retreat because they've never trained their mind and their body to get a hold of themselves and deal with the situation at hand. Entertainment is a great distraction. It is. I love watching movies. I love being entertained. I love it. I, I enjoy it. I don't know many people who don't. I enjoy it. But the problem is that is no substitute for he keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And the anxiety and the worry and the care will choke that out of us. Now, if it were not possible, can we all agree that he wouldn't tell us to do it? It would be unjust if he said, be careful for nothing, if we did not have the capacity or the tools and the ability to, to follow suit with what he commanded. Would we not? We'd be, he'd be unjust. And we don't serve an unjust God. He says, be careful for nothing. That tells me that when things come up that need our attention, that we need to be diligent about, we now have a process by which we can be responsible in handling those things but not get over into worry and care and anxiety. You follow me? Listen, when everybody in this room can think of something that could cause worry and anxiety and distress. He says, be careful for nothing but in, and we're fixing to get into it. He gives us the alternative. What's the alternative? He says, but in everything. Do not worry about anything. Worry about nothing. I don't want you to be careful for anything but in what? 
everything. He says, listen, instead of doing it the world's way, instead of being always having your mind on your bills, your, what you don't have, what you can't see, and what you can't feel, I'm fixing to give you an alternative. Well, Lord, what, what, what are we going to do, Brother Morris? I don't know what we're going to do. We got Y'all going to, to, uh, to uh, Af- Russia, right? No, not Russia. You're going to Mexico in January. Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? You got all your money you need for Mexico? You do. You got, all, you got all the money you need for next year for any trip there? Okay, so what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And the enemy comes in and he gives you plenty of soil and plenty of things for you to think about. And he says, listen, hope, stop. I'm fixing to give you an alternative. I'm fixing to give you an alternative. You ready? But in everything, everybody say everything. But in everything through prayer and supplication. Two distinct things. Two distinct things. Um, pray, in Matthew uh, chapter 11, he, t- he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He says, I'm giving you the alternative. He says, okay, so you have this tremendous opportunity to worry. Now I'm going to give you the alternative. Prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is to just simply commune and talk with God. It's, it's not so much anything that you're doing as far as presenting petitions or presenting things that you desire. It's simply communing with God. How many of you uh, like the relationship that you're in with certain individuals when the only time they talk to you is when they want something? Nobody. Well, God's the same way. The only time it seems like sometimes we go to God is when we want something or we, when we want Him to stop something or prevent something or, or allow something or open the door for something. No, prayer is just communion with God. But he said, then he said, and, and this is funny to, uh, supplication, this is funny to me. The basis, the basis for the alternative, see with that, you're worried, you're answering these phone calls in the natural with something or someone you have no relationship with. He says, look, I'm going to do something better. I'm going to give you an alternative. And that alternative is a relationship. Prayer is engaging God through relationship. He says, listen, you, you got all this worry and all this anxiety about things. I'm fixing to engage you with an authentic. It starts with an authentic relationship with God. He didn't just, when he says prayer, he doesn't mean get on your knees and pray to some God. He says, pray, he says he, Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, let me show you how to pray. Let me teach you how to pray. Pray this way. He didn't say pray like this. He said, in this way, meaning this structure, this confine. If you're going to use, this is how you approach. Our Father. People say, well, I pray to God. Well, that's your problem. He's not your daddy yet. He's your Savior, but is He your Lord? Is He your Father? Our Father. See, you go, to your, you go to your father. My girls ain't got no qualms coming to me and asking me for stuff at all. They don't ever say, ooh, don't ask daddy. Ooh, you know what kind of daddy he is. No, my girls don't. They come up to me in the most inopportune times. You carry on a conversation 
or whatever, and they'll just be flat out rude. Why? Because they, they don't care about, they don't, I mean, now how do I say this so you don't think my, uh, it's not that they don't care about you, it's that they, they have a, rela- that I'm their daddy, they know they can come to me and I have to say, baby, you know, we're teaching them and training babies, it's rude to come up and talk to somebody when they, mom and daddy, when they're talking to somebody, don't do that, that's rude. We got to teach them that, but they don't have, they, they'll sit right there and wait till the conversation's over and say, daddy, daddy. Can we, can I, can you, they don't have any, there's a difference. If you're relating to God as a God, as the God, no, that, that, that's, you accept, that's when salvation takes place. You recognize that He is the living God. And you say, I realize that not only are you God, and that's it, but you gave your Son to die for me so that I can be in relationship with you? And then it transfers from a God to daddy. It's Abba, which means daddy in Hebrew and Greek. It means daddy. It's a whole lot different when you say daddy. Daddy, I got this stuff going on and it's causing anxiety and worrying me. Can you help me with that? That's prayer. That's supplication. Let me tell you what the word supplication means because it's interesting. We don't want to run past these words. We want to really look and identify what these words. The word supplication is more than just giving a petition. It's more than just giving a request. Here, Lord. Here, Father. Uh, The word petition suggests an intensity of earnest and extended prayer. Not to gain merit by many words, but to fully, listen, fully transfer the burden of one's soul into God's hands. Prayer and peace are closely connected. One who entrusts cares to Christ instead of fretting over them will experience the peace of God to guard him from nagging anxiety. Romans tells us that the Spirit Himself helps us with our infirmities. I mean... He doesn't just say, listen, come to me and give it to me. He says, listen, if you can't give it to me, I got somebody who will help you. His name's the Holy Spirit. And he will help us. Lord, I don't even, there's things that I've prayed about and I've supplicated about. That word, supplication, what does that mean? That means you just get get after it and you wear it out. Not because you're trying to get God to do something, but you're trying to articulate what it is that's in your heart. And say, Lord, uh-uh. Lord, I desire, Lord, I remember I, uh, I remember we, there's so many things that I have earnestly got after with. It, you go to God and you pray about it and you say, Lord, here it is. And you walk away and it's still there and you don't understand. It's, and it's not something that you're not giving up. It's just some things in the spirit take effort. How can I say this? You're not trying to work for your salvation. But the Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What's the implication? But we wrestle against principality. There's some things in the spirit. There's some things in this, in this natural world that is in the spirit that we're not going to be able to grab a hold of just by, Lord, thank you, Lord, bless Morris in the name of Jesus. Amen. Some things aren't going to be, some things you got to get after. You got to wear it out in the spirit. 
What do I mean? You got to supplicate. You got to get in there. You got to say, Lord, this thing is on me. How do I get it out? Lord, help me. I was praying yesterday, praying in the spirit. I was just praying, giving this thing. Lord, what is it? There's something there. Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this to you. I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm praying for this individual. I'm praying for this thing. That's what I'm talking about. Not that you're trying to work God up, but it's a work from your standpoint that you're getting rid. You're transferring. Everybody say transfer. Transferring that thing over to God. You give it over to Him. You say, Here it is. Anybody ever done that and then turn around wide away and walk away and you still got it behind you? J.B. Phillips, New Testament, says this in conclusion, be strong. It's in Romans. He said, In Romans 8, he said, Be strong in the Lord. In the power of His boundless resource, put on God's complete armor so that you can successfully resist all the devil's methods of attack. Listen, worry, fear, anxiety is how he attacks. He don't have any new, 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 new uh, tactics. He's using the same thing that's worked for generation, generation after generation after generation. Worry, fear, anxiety. He will cripple you. And he bring, How does fear get permission to be in your life? Because it starts with anxiety. It starts when you see a care and the enemy goes, Man, look at this. You need to be, you need to take care of this. Everybody's heard these words. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm trying to articulate it and get it out. Are you believing God with me? Because I need help getting it out. He, the enemy goes and says, Jesus, he said, um, Paul said, be careful for nothing. So the enemy and the world and society and good stewardship sometimes says, this is something that you need to be careful and concerned about. And it starts with that. And then what do you do? You take it and you start thinking about it. I need to be careful about this. I need to be careful about this. I don't want it to get destroyed or hurt. And now everything in your life revolves around that. Oh, don't, 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 don't play around it. Don't, don't, don't go, don't go to that. Don't buy that. It may, we may not be able to pay for that. Don't do that. Kids, don't play around this. You don't want to hurt it. And now your whole world revolves around this thing that the enemy has told you to care about. Well, you know, you got to care about your health. And so you eat broccoli and sip cornbread juice and you run 50 miles a day. And then at age 45, you go to the hospital because you had a stroke or you had a heart attack. And you say, well, well, I don't understand. I didn't do nothing but drink celery juice and eat broccoli all my life. It's not about that. It's about, the Bible said, Jesus said, it's not what goes in a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out. How does it come out? It starts right. Well, you got, look, come on now, Lenny Carroll. You know you got to carry that. This is good steward. He lied to you and tell you it's good stewardship. I know. You come on, Miss Geneva, you got to carry this thing. It's your responsibility as a wife. You got to do this. As a mother, and he will use guilt and condemnation and pressure. Come on, you got a sign right here on this dotted line. You know this is what you need. You deserve this. And the only way to get it is you're going to have to carry it around. And he will lie to carry this. 
And then your whole world becomes about... Then when you read Philippians 4, 6, you go, Oh my gosh, how many of you in here right now, don't raise your hand, have been carrying something around and you've been worrying about it and you've been anxious about it. Don't raise your hand. But now as a result of just reading this verse, you go, Hmm. I'm fixing to give you the alternative. The Lord's fixing to give you the alternative. He says, take this and say, Lord, here it is. My house payment or my health, whatever it is, my heart's been giving me trouble or my knee or my arthritis or my wife or my children. And you give it to the Lord and he says, do not worry. Be careful. I want you to say, I'm careless. In the kingdom of God, I want to be careless because my daddy is so much more capable of carrying this stuff than I am. I want to be a good steward, but I don't have to carry this. He said for him to carry it. I figure when he wants me to address it, he'll bring it to my attention. Come on now, that was good right there for, if it wasn't from just me. When you give it over to the Lord, the Holy Spirit kind of keeps it all organized and he's got him a little binder and you're walking through life and you're just carefree. And you just, you're not just mindless, but you're saying, you know, Lord, you are a good, good father. Man, you, I mean, it's all about you. It ain't all about this. It's all about you. Listen, my girls can get all kind of stuff from me if they just say, Daddy, you are, man, you are, I love you. And I go, what? Here, baby, what is it? What do you need? Make it rain. Not from a manipulative standpoint, but I'm saying it puts you. So I was thinking about this, and the Lord said, I'm fixing to get into it. You can pray and you can petition all day long, but until you add the ingredient of thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? Thank you. That's all you. I'm thanking you for taking care of that house payment. I'm thanking you for taking care of that pain in my body. I'm thanking you that the provision has already been paid for. The, the, the healing has already been laid on it. I'm thanking you that at the right time, at your appointed time, it's here. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm healed. As far as I'm concerned, I'm blessed. Thanksgiving transfers it completely over. See, you, you don't have, I've always told people, you know, when you're praying, you pray through a thing. You, you pray until you get that note of victory on the inside. How do you know you got that victory? Bless God, you get up and you just, I mean, it's like it's done and you got joy in your heart. And now you give thanks. We are going to partake on Thursday of a meal and we're going to give thanks as the pilgrims did and they thanked God for allowing them not only to have a free new place that they have resided when they left, but they have, they've got a new place and they shared it with the indigenous people, the Indians, and they shared and they broke bread. You won't learn some of this in history because they don't want it in history. But they broke bread and they gave God thanks and they said, thank you. We're going to do that on Thursday. And I'm getting you ready and prepared. And I felt like the Lord said, I'm getting you prepared so that when you do this, not only are you giving thanks for all the things you have, but all these things that the enemy's tried to burden you down, you can just go ahead and lay them down and thank God, and then you can eat your turkey and take a nap. 
and lots of cranberry sauce. And come on now. And I heard the Lord say this when I was when I was riding the other day. He said, Thanksgiving, when you give thanks, after you've said, Lord, here's this thing that I've carried it around and I've worried about it long enough. I remember Papa Bill, can I share that example about your kids and the protection and all that stuff when the Lord told you that? You know, Brother Bill used to, Papa Bill used to say he used to worry about his kids. You know, are they safe? Are they, are they going to get in? Are they going to get hurt? Blah, blah, blah. And he said the Lord spoke to him one day and said, Son, don't you think that I'm a better and more able, capable father of taking care of them than you are? Well, I mean, you can't argue with that. Maybe you're in that place and you say, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm coming to you first of all on the basis of my relationship with you and I love you and I thank you that you love me and you died for me. And now, Lord, I'm just going to give this to you. Whatever it is. So, Lord, I'm going to give that to you. And I'm going to thank you that it's done. And the Lord said, when you do that, when you, when, you, when you pray and you supplicate and you don't give thanks, it's like chicken and dumplings without the dumplings. It's like having a car with no gas. There's no release. There's no key. And the Lord said, when you give thanks... After you've done that, he said, Thanksgiving puts you in a position to receive the provision and the power that you need. Think about it. You can't be thankful for something and not feel, mm. Lord, I, th- I mean, even if your mind, if you do it right now, whatever it is that you got in your mind, whatever it is that you've been carrying, whatever worry, whatever anxiety, just for a moment, I want you to just hold that up to the Lord. And I want you to say, Lord, here's that. You ain't got to do all 50 things that you're worrying about. We'll just do them one at a time. How about that? Okay. Just take that one thing and say, Lord, I've been worrying about this. I've been anxious about this. And so as an act of my faith, that I am fully persuaded that you are not only able, but you desire for me to do that, I'm going to hold this up to you and I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to say, and you name that thing and you say, Lord, whatever it is, bills, health, whatever it is, I want you in your mind's eye just to give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I give it to you. Say it with me. Say, Lord, I give it to you in Jesus' name and I thank you that according to what that preacher said, you're going to fix it. According to what the Bible says, you're going to fix it. Did he not say, cast all your care on me for he cares for you? Did he not say, don't worry. If your father knows how to clothe the, the, the lilies of the fields and the birds of the air, how much more will he not care for you? See, this is where we put, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we put our money where our mouth is. This is where we put our faith to work. And we say, bless God, here it is. I ain't touching it in my thought life ever again. Now listen, when you leave here, you're going to have many marvelous opportunities to touch it with your thought life. Because maybe you're not used to that. Maybe it's not something that's accustomed. But He will walk you through that. And you just, it's like a dog sometimes that follows you around. Get. You may have to tell Him to get a couple of times. But one day, soon, one morning, you're going to wake up and He ain't going to be there no more. You will have transferred that thing. But this is how you do it. You say, Lord, thank you. Now turn to Acts chapter 16 because I'm going to give you one of the best examples that I have been able to find. 
Acts chapter 16. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, while you're turning to Acts 16, you don't have to turn there to 1 Timothy, but go to Acts chapter 16. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, Paul says, First of all, I urge you that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made to all for all people. I mean, this is foundational. You ever tried to do something for somebody and they're just not thankful? Nobody, everybody stay looking forward so you don't know, everybody knows something. I know, I know, what, it, I know what it's like. It's like you can't, you can't bless somebody fully who thinks they deserve it and they, it's like they're never grateful. They're never thankful. I mean, that just, it's almost like it just, it irritates. I want to be thankful. And so I have a philosophy, I have some based on the Word of God, that I try to live by. And I don't always do it. I fail sometimes miserably. But I try to expect nothing but appreciate everything. Well, what about your wife? You know, the Bible says your wife's supposed to be thankful for everything. Appreciate everything. Expect nothing. The only thing I expect is for what God has already told me will happen, will happen. But I appreciate everything. I endeavor to do I appreciate everything. Expect nothing, appreciate everything. He says thankfulness is a key. 1 Timothy 4 says every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if received with thanksgiving. So see all you vegetarians out there, I'm going to bless my turkey and thank God for it, and then I'm going to eat it. I'm kidding. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Well, I just, I don't understand, Pastor. I can't, Preacher, I can't, I can't thank God for that. Acts chapter 16, I want you to go there. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Now it happened as when, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination. You know what, I'm going to skip this because it takes too long. Let me tell you what happened. Slave girl comes along, she's got a spirit of divination these religious folks are making money off of it. Paul turns around and rebukes the spirit, casts it out of her, and they throw him in jail. Paul and Silas. And said they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now they say that when you were in the inner prison, you know, there's a difference between the outer prison and the inner prison. You know, the, in the Old Testament when you went to God, there was, a, there was a courtroom, then there was the outer courts, then there was the inner holy of holies. And the, the, the more inner and in you got, the better it got. Well, it's the opposite in the kingdom of darkness. You don't want to be in the inner prison. You want to, I mean, if you've got to be in prison, you want to be on the outer. You want to be in the minimum security prison, you know, where you get to play golf and still have tea, not the maximum security. No, these guys were in there, and they say that it was a room not wide enough to lay down in and not tall enough to stand up in, and they fastened their feet and stopped. See, we ain't talking about air conditioning prison. We're talking about dungeon black dark. 
Did you get the picture? Verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They're beat, they're bleeding, they're hurting. They can't lay down and they can't stand up. And it probably don't smell like Glade plug-ins in there. They're probably hungry, cold or hot. And what's it say? And it didn't even say at 9 o'clock. See, I think the word midnight is not just an indication of what time it was in the natural. I believe it was, a, it was an indication of where they were at spiritually. And at the moment, at midnight, when they reached their point where they felt like they were going to lose it, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. What were they doing? They were praying, and then what they do? Lord, we thank you for taking care of all of this, whatever it is. I don't know what they were singing, but I mean, you, ain't, you don't sing unless something's going on on the inside of you. Suddenly... With no indication whatsoever. There was a great earthquake. Oh goodness. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open. Supposing the prisoners had fled. Drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because I ain't never seen nobody go through nothing like this. I ain't never seen nothing like it. Never seen it. And he says, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and guess what? I'm going to do exceedingly abundantly of what you... I'm not even just going to save you, but you and your household. Well, how did that happen? Because they reached a point where they said, you know what, Lord, we are shut up in this inner prison and there ain't nothing we can do about it. And so we're just going to give it up to you. And it says they begin to sing. You don't sing unless something's coming out of you. You don't sing unless you make yourself be thinking on the right things and perceiving the right thoughts and meditating on things that are lovely, that are holy, that are pure, that are consecrated, that are thankfulness. And they say, Lord, we may be in prison, but bless God, if the worst happens, we die. We going to heaven. And he said they prayed and they sang praises to God. And I'm telling you, even in our own life, we've been in the... In, 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 We've been in the midst of crying and we just say, Lord, we love you. We say thank you. We praise you for all the wonderful things done. And I'm telling you, it does something inside of you. And what it does is it positions you now to receive everything that God has for that particular situation. And at midnight, and then suddenly, that's what I like about God. It ain't like... It's not like he gives you advance notice. He doesn't make an appointment with you. He just sometimes the best surprises are what? Surprise. 
surprise you're here. I mean, you know, that day when I drove up and I was like, what in the world are all these people standing out here for? What? The building on fire or something? And it was surprise. The best surprises are just that. They're surprises. The, the, the best things that God does for us is suddenlies. And you may be in your life right now at the precipice of the point where you may be feeling like you're about to have a nervous breakdown. You feel like it's no way you can figure it out. There's no way that God can do it. You're in the inner prison, and I'm telling you that suddenly is right around the corner. And I'm not just preaching, preacher, preacher. I'm saying, according to the Word of God, if you will pray and you will say, you know what, I don't want this no more because it ain't doing no good anyway. How have you, okay, you've been worrying and you've been carrying around this anxiety for a long time. How's that working for you? Why not just go on and give it up and say, you know what, I don't want that. I'm going to try for 30 days. I'm going to do what he said do, and I ain't going to worry about it. Mr. Cleveland, we're here. Mr. Cleveland, I know you're in there. Lord, I just give it to you. I'm using you because you're right here. Lord, I'm giving it to you. Mr. Hellman, Ms. Hellman, we know you're in there. Lord, you know what? You said don't worry about it. I'm giving it to you. No matter what, I'm giving it to you. And then all of a sudden, provision comes. All of a sudden, the symptoms begin to leave your body. Why? Because God has healed you? No, He's already healed you. It's just that sometimes we wrestle in the Spirit and the manifestation of those things take place. See, if it was here and you saw it, there would be no need for faith. He said, Lord, I won't believe it unless I put my finger in your side. And he said, Thomas, you believe because you have seen it. But blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where's my minstrel? Come on up here, minstrel. Play for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thanksgiving is the language of faith. You, you, I, I took the time that I needed to really describe to you what care and what anxiousness was and what anxiety was. It's taking those things thought. It's, it's giving thoughtful attention to things that don't need to be. We don't, you don't need to be thinking about that no more. You don't need to be thinking about that. And then so what do you do? So then you, you, you divert the alternative to having your mind on that thing is now we have our mind on Him. And we say, you're a good God. We love you. Lord, I come to you on the basis of relationship. My Father, which art in heaven, you are a good God. Hallowed be your name, glory to God. I, I love you. I worship your name. Your name is far above every other name. You said that every knee, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. And so I just say Jesus' name. In, I don't even know what to pray sometimes. I just say in the name of Jesus above all names. And I pray and I say, Lord, I thank you for that name. I thank you for that power. I thank you for that thing that is on the inside of me, that you cause things to happen on the inside of me. Lord, I thank you that you gave us a helper, the Holy Spirit, who won't even just lead and guide us into truth, but he will live in us. He said, I'm sending one that will be with you and will live in you means he will take up permanent residence inside our heart. You 
can't evict him. And so we thank him, and we're doing it. We're in that activity. And then we say, Lord, hallelujah. Man, here's where we're going to go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, where's that? Hallelujah. Acts chapter 4 says this. Early in the church... Peter and John were arrested. Same situation. Peter and John were arrested. And they let them go. They said, we can't stone them. Lord, have mercy, we can't do nothing. When do these people are killing? They, so they let them go and they said, do not preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And being let go, they went to their own company. Now, see, that's a good one right there. If you're having a problem with letting that go, you need to find some company that will help you let it go. You don't need, uh, you don't need to join <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. <clears throat> okay, this is a book, right? But it's a representation of the things in our life that we worry about. You don't need to join a book club. That's the worst thing you can do is join a book club. People who sit around and talk about the books. Well, I don't know about your book, Langston, but my book, man, I was reading the other day in page 59, and my book, it just got worse. And you don't need a book club. You need to go to your own company. And it says that they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Brothers, listen, they're telling us we can't do this no more. They're telling us we can't preach the gospel no more. They can't, we can't even use the name of Jesus. So when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The king of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. And now, O oh Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may do the very thing they said we couldn't do. He said, this is what he did. He said, Lord, by the way, this is what they said. Don't preach in the name of Jesus no more. Grant unto thy servant that with all boldness we may leave this room and go preach the gospel even more. You ready? By stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be, may be done through the name of your child Jesus. <coughs> and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you as your people. We come to you as your church. And we say, Lord, 
they have told us that we cannot do these things. The enemy has told us that our bodies are not healed. The enemy has told us that the finances are not going to come through. The enemy has told us that we're going to die. The enemy has told us that our children are going to die. The enemy has told us everything that is under the sun to try to spark fear and anxiety and worry. And all we say this morning is we say, Lord, behold the things that we have carried in our lives. And we turn them over to you and we say, And now, Lord, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news, and that signs and wonders may be wrought in the name of your child Jesus and that you would stretch forth your hand and deliver the healing power that has been provided for them, for provided for us. Signs, wonders, and miracles in these last days in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to bow your heads if you hadn't already. Just bow your heads. I do not want to leave or dismiss without giving you the opportunity to say, you know, I know about God. I know about Jesus. I grew up in church. I mean, I taught Bible school. I mean, Bible, I mean, what do you call it? Sunday school. I taught sermon Sunday school. I've helped with the youth. I've helped with the children. Maybe you're that person, but you say, you know, I just really never knew him as daddy. Well, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Maybe, maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, period, and you want to do that this morning. You say, man, I, I want a daddy. I never had a daddy. I want a daddy. Well, he's a daddy that won't leave you, won't forsake you, won't hurt you, won't beat you, despite what religion may says, may tell you. God is not mad at you. He is not disappointed in you. He is not trying to teach you something. He is not trying to beat you into submission. He's not trying to give you sickness or disease to try to teach you something. He's not causing things in your life to teach you something. He loves you and gave His most precious gift, His only Son. And I want to give you the opportunity to walk and receive. All you got to do is receive. Or maybe you've run as fast as you can from the things that you grew up in. Maybe you are like the prodigal son. Maybe you've turned away. You said, man, I just don't want this. This ain't for me. I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want you with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and the Lord, but I do want to pray with you. If that's you, would you lift your hand up? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Everybody just pray this. We're going to pray this together with you. We're just going to pray it all together. Heavenly Father, I believe, I believe that you are the Son of the living God. That you died for me. And so now I align myself with that truth. And I say, You are not just my Savior, but I receive you as Lord. And all that means is this you just say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. 
I'll go wherever you want me to go and I'll be what you have called me to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, we already took communion. But I don't want to get away from here if some of you have been sick. So if you're here and you're experiencing sickness or you're experiencing chronic pain, I just heard chronic pain. Chronic pain. Anybody got chronic? I mean, I got, I got some chronic pain going on in my finger, so you can join with me. How about that? I'll raise my hand. Anybody else got any chronic pain going on? Anything else in your body? Okay. We got one by the If you're sick, anybody sick or want to stand in for somebody who's sick, would you raise your hand? Okay. All right, now listen, we're the body. He said, believers, these things will follow those that believe. <coughs> so this is what we're going to do. We're going to believe together. and We're going to lay hands on those that are raising their hand, right? Just lay hands on me. Stretch your hands forth towards Miss Carol. Put your hands on her. Put your hands back there towards Deanna. Raise your hand, Deanna. Y'all go back there and lay hands on Deanna for me. Everybody stretch your hands forth towards Got your hand right Yeah. We're right here. Miss Odin. We got Miss Odin right here. Y'all come. Everybody stretch your hands forward. We're going to pray for them together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we join ourselves together in faith. You said that these signs will follow those that believe. And so in obedience to your word, we lay hands on the sick. And we expect right now in the name of Jesus that these things will recover in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, we've done what you've said. We've presented it, we've we spoke to it, we've said it, and now we thank you that we are recovering right now in the name of Jesus. Now just lift your hands up and just say, thank you, Lord, I receive it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brother Casey, will you... Uh, Come dismiss us, prophesy over us, whatever you got floating around in your spirit. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. We just thank you, Lord, that greater are you that is in us than he that is in the world. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that through it all, Lord, we keep our eyes on you. Father, we keep our mind cleared, Lord, like a horse with blinders. Father, we look forward, not left, not right, Father, but we keep our eyes focused straight on you, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, that the weapons, Lord, of our warfare are mighty. We just thank you, Lord, that you have caused all things, Father, to work to the good of us, Father. And we just give you all the glory and honor and praise. We just ask you now to go with us and lead us and guide us, and we just... Lord, I ask you to bring us here, Lord, at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen.